My name is Kevin Tony, and this is the Uncommon Sense Podcast. The more I operate in this space, the more I'm finding out that some people just cannot be reasoned with. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Sense Podcast. I am uh, looking at all of the aftermath of the midterm elections, and I think that there is a consistent problem in this in this country. You have one group of people who deal strictly in emotions and feelings versus another group of people who deal strictly in facts, truths, reason, statistics. And they're governed by what comes with each of these respective groups. And the group that deals in emotions and feelings, these are the people that I'm finding out that there is no reasoning with them. It's hard to change feelings. It's hard to change emotions. You know, it really is hard to change the way people feel about certain things, especially when they feel it, you know, so strongly and they get their information from, you know, certain places that, you know, really have mastered the art of playing on the heartstrings of their audience. And it's really unfortunate for a lot of people. And, you know, after after the midterm elections, there there is a feeling that, you know, everybody's kind of confused. I, I, I have this general feeling like just, you know, after coming up on almost a week after the the election after election day people are you know generally you know confused i feel like one side of the, of the aisle which would be you know the conservative side they don't know how to wrap their head around the way the results came in and i think that a lot of it is because we 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 live in a time where everybody's filtering their information through, you know, social media, uh, mainstream media. And I even got sucked into, you know, a moment where it was one of those, you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, shame on you moments where, you know, I bought into, you know, the the statistics, you know, I, I, I ascribe to the group that deals in facts, statistics, reason, truth, uh, and whatever that truth may be, you know, I have to acquiesce to it. And I made the mistake this this time again of listening to polls, uh, buying into the research that was coming out about you know, this quote unquote red wave that was coming, that was turning into a red tsunami. And honestly, I'm, I'm turned off by, you know, all of these people who peddle this information, even from the sources that I kind of sort of lean into where I get the information that I'm looking for. I'm, I'm really starting to 
kind of unplug from these sources and I look at, you know, just just a few where I can get my own information and and do my own research and make my own informed decision, which is what I've been encouraging everybody to do, you know, for as long as I've been doing this podcast is I want people to be informed because when you know better, you do better. And the more I look around, I'm finding out that some people, regardless of, you know, you have this group of people that deal in their feelings and their emotions. They could know the truth. It could be sitting in front of them, staring them in the face. And it it doesn't matter if it's not what they feel. If it's not something that they can align with emotionally, they don't care that it's reality. They don't care that, you know, they don't care what's truth. It's not true to them. It's not their truth. You know, and this whole idea that truth can somehow be personalized to be different for somebody else, you know, in every single aspect of life is just, it's silly. So I had a, you know, you you have these conversations And one group of people, you know, the group that sides with logic, truth and reason, they're always open to having conversations and discussions with people who, you know, the emotional, the emotional feelings group. But the opposite is true for the emotional feelings group. They never want to have a discussion with the people who deal in facts and truth and reason and logic because they just don't care. They're so far in their feelings that they're not interested in any alternative meaning to whatever it is that they think, whatever it is that they feel in their heart, they know in their bones. They don't want to have a conversation with somebody that's going to point out, you know, why they could be wrong or why there's a possibility that they should think differently about you know, these various topics. And the media understands this. You know, um, I heard a statistic about three years ago that said 85% of people who work in journalism, 85% of journalists who are employed by a newspaper, a magazine, a tabloid, or any, you know, news outlet, local news national news, mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, 85% of the people who are employed and write these stories and disseminate this information, 85% of them identify as liberal leftists. Which means that the information that we're getting is coming from an extremely slanted point of view. And the 15% of, you know, people who work in media that identify as conservative or Republican or right leaning. These people are basically overwhelmed at all times by their views, their opinions, uh, the news stories, the way they report. And it really is it really is unbalanced. And it's been that way for years. But it wasn't until, you know, President Trump when he became the president and, and you kept hearing, you know, he kept calling journalists, fake news journalists and, you know, fake news peddlers and 
He was calling out these mainstream media outlets as being fake news. People really didn't start paying attention to that. But, you know, some people had gone too far to care that there was a difference and they didn't want to know anything otherwise. I was able to have a conversation with a young lady um, this week and she was a, you know, she, she, in, in the, in the conversation, we were going in the comments on a, a post that was on YouTube. She, re, she responded to a comment, a general comment that I made on, on a YouTube post. And that started a back and forth dialogue between myself and this young lady. And I said to myself, let me go and look on her YouTube channel to kind of see what this young lady is about before I go any further, because for me, I want to know who I'm dealing with. If I'm having a conversation, if there's a way for me to have some background, you know, I want to be informed about who I'm engaging. And so I went to her YouTube channel and the first video that she has up is talking about how how much she hates conservatives, how much she doesn't care about what they think, how much she thinks that, you know, she even went as far as to say, like, you know, conservatives should you know basically die <laughs> I mean like this lady was she was a full-on nut and she didn't care about the opinions she said I you know I don't care about how conservatives feel I I don't care about their viewpoints I don't care about anything that they think they shouldn't be allowed to talk you know people who are right-wing should not have any say so and in society at all, any way, shape or form. And these people are extremely, you know, these are, these are, this is the group of people that is always screaming tolerance, tolerance, be tolerant. Or if you don't, you know, acquiesce to what they want, if you don't agree with them, then you're intolerant. And they say this, but it's virtue signaling because they themselves don't want to be tolerant towards the people around them. They want everybody to be tolerant towards their issues, but everybody else's issues are meaningless or dumb or stupid, or they just, it's, it's, they feel their emotions tell them that they're triggered at all times. They're ready to be angry. And I really felt sorry for this young lady because I felt like these are the people that cannot be reasoned with. And it's no point in me having a conversation with her. It's no point in me engaging her because she's not willing to listen. She's so far gone in her train of thought that it, you know, there's no pumping the brakes. There's no pump. She she just believes what she believes. Uh, she's very she was very radical in her thought. You know she, you know she wants. She said she even made a comment that. You know, conservatives should be made to go live in countries, um, you know, separate from everybody else so that they can have. A, I mean, she want she wanted she wanted conservatives, Republicans go live somewhere else, like go form your own country and leave everybody else alone because we're so destructive and conservative ideology is so destructive and damaging to everybody else around and that we we all need to just go away and 
that feeling is evident when you watch, you know, one of the popular trends on social media now is these man on the street interviews. And there are a lot of, you know, content creators that their platform is based on taking a microphone and the camera and going out in public places and just asking people general questions about a variety of topics and where, you know, the general public is concerned where, you know, politics meets culture and all of that stuff. And you start asking people questions, you know, some of their responses, they just, you could tell that they don't, they don't care to engage. They don't care to listen to anybody that, is different uh, from them. If they do have somebody that feels the same way, like if I'm a liberal leftist and I start looking around at what's going on and start asking questions about, you know, hey, why do we think this way? Or, or start questioning the people in my own group or my own echo chamber, then I'm now an outcast. They turn on, they, they turn on, they'll turn on me. And make me feel like I'm the crazy one for going against what the group believes. And it's it's really kind of scary to watch, to be honest, to see these people that feel this way, that there is absolutely no reasoning with them. There's no conversation to be had. And these are the people that are running for office. These are the people that have labeled themselves as progressively you know, the democratic progressive, uh, which is just a, a more, you know, a nicer way of saying far left extremists. Everybody's, you know, they, they talk about right wing, far, far right extremists and far right extremist groups, but you never hear anything about left wing, left, you know, far left, the far left group. As if it doesn't exist. And that's by design. Because one group has to consistently be painted as, you know, the, the group that's, you know, they're the bad guys and we're the good guys. And we're, you know, we're evil and, you know, conservatives and far right wingers, you know, are evil. And, you know, we need to be stomped out at every turn. We need to be censored. We need to be sat down and silenced and you know, the days of honest intellectual discourse, I I think they're gone and I'm, I'm not sure if they're ever coming back. And so the state of this country, I think it really I, I don't I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I had a lot of questions after the midterm elections and a lot of those questions are not being answered. There's a lot of uncertainty for the state of, you know, the conservative agenda, the conservative movement. You know, there's no momentum for us right now. And we're going to see more and more radical policies that are going to be passed because, you know, there's no way to, to curb what's happening in this country in terms of lawmaking and the extreme policies that are coming down the pike. You know, Michigan just had, you know, a policy measure ballot proposition three, you know, on the ballot that makes Michigan, you know, they have Michigan. The state of Michigan now has the most extreme abortion rights 
in the country. I mean, and along with that, parental rights are basically just gone for anybody who's in the public school system. For kids in the public school system, parental rights are gone. If you have a, if you're listening to this and you live in the state of Michigan and you have a child that's in the public school system, your rights have, as a parent to know what's happening with your child in school, they're, they're gone now. And you may have voted yes on Proposition 3, not understanding that that was part of it. And I think that's a lot of what happens in this country where people who are led by their feelings and their emotions, you know, they find one one topic to vote vote on and they stick to that. These are single 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 issue voters. And the midterm election saw single issue voters turn out in droves and from a statistical standpoint, the single issue voters who basically determined the outcome in these midterm elections were young college age single women. And they turned out to vote because they feel like the right for them to have an abortion was under attack and they felt like they had to protect it. So. I don't know where we go from here. I don't know. I think that a lot of times, you know, people are going to find out too late. I think there's a lot of like when when Biden got elected in 2020, I, I said to a lot of people around me that, you know, people are getting ready to find out that they're going to get some things that they didn't know that they were voting for. And Democrats are masters. They have they they they're masters at making it about how you feel and how your emotions and they want to make it personal there where something is directly going to be taken away from you and they and they win you know they win when they do that and so i think that the the conservative movement is you know just kind of drifting right now with no direction there's no real leadership right now Everybody is kind of splintered within the GOP. There are, you know, pocket groups within the movement that don't communicate the best with each other. They don't, you know, really get along. And so I don't I don't know where we go, but all we can do is, you know, I mean, all I can do is, you know, just kind of pray that these people will learn to have some reason. Or see that, you know, maybe it's, you know, there's a reason why, you know, the, the young lady that I was going back and forth with, she talked about, she, she she told me how much she hates that, you know, conservatives are trying to take books out of schools and, you know, we, we're labeling teachers as groomers. And without understanding, you know, the, the problem is because they, they're so emotional, they think that we want things one way. And that's not true. If you have a conversation with any conservative, where, you know, the subject of, you know, trans rights or the sexualization of children in schools comes up. You'll find out that, you know, we're we're painted as people that, oh, we're we're homophobic. That's why we don't want, you know, these, you know, certain books in schools or, you know, we're transphobic. That's why we don't want, you know, certain things to be allowed in schools and conservatives are like no it's not just that like we like yes it's true we don't want that but we also don't want 
our kids exposed to heterosexual stuff in school. We don't want any sexualization at all, whether it's gay or straight, because it's not a place for it. You know, especially when our kids are failing educationally at the levels that they are. And so because they they live in their emotions, they live and die by how they feel. They don't take the time to have a conversation to find out why people feel that way. And it's fun for them to say. I've had people come to me and say, I want to have a conversation to see why you actually think the way you do. And that conversation never happens because they don't really want to have it. And I think a lot of people don't want to have that conversation because they're afraid their narrative might have to change. They're afraid of walking away from the conversation confused. So I I don't know uh, where we go. I really don't. I, I just, you know, pray for the soul of this country. I don't know what's happening. I think I believe that a recession is coming within the next several months. I think that the way things are now is going to get worse. You know, the president has already said last week that he's not going to stop his policies. He's not going to change course on anything that he's doing right now. So just look around and look at your grocery bill. Look at your, you know, look at the um, look at the readout on the gas pump after you fill up your tank. You know, look at when you go to the store, certain stores and, and see that, you know, shelves are, you know, not as full as they used to be. And layoffs are coming, a recession is coming, you know, and think about how you have a president that says he's not going to do anything to change what's happening in the country right now. He's going to stay the course because in his mind, it's going pretty good. But if you're paying what you're paying at these different institutions in in, in this country, you know that it's not going that great. So. All I can say is govern yourselves accordingly. If you are a part of the group that deals in sense, logic, reason and truth, do everything you can to maintain that. And all you can do is just hope that some of these people will have an epiphany and figure out that they're not they're not right about everything. And it's okay to be wrong. It's okay to change your mind. I did I did a, an episode a couple of weeks ago about being intellectually honest and the maturity that comes with being able to say you're wrong and change your mind about something. That that's real maturity. So, I'll leave you here at that. Um just keep your chin up, keep praying for this country. America's in a weird place right now. It just it really is. It's in a strange place, and um, I'm I'm just you know like everybody else. I'm just I'm just going through life, trying to take care of my family, and uh, we'll see what happens. So, thank you for tapping in again. Uh, keep listening. I appreciate it. Thank you to all the new listeners, and uh, I'll leave you with this. Like I say every every episode, no matter where you go or no matter where you are, just remember that common sense is uncommon. Peace.
My name is Kevin Tony, and this is the Uncommon Sense Podcast. You know what I miss? I miss music, and I miss it a lot. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Sense Podcast, and today I'm talking about something um, based on a conversation I had in the barbershop yesterday. And the barbershop is like my escape. You know, it's my favorite place to go when I get my hair cut, just kind of relax and deflate, you know, get some self-care in and uh, just kind of, you know, overall get a change of scenery. And yesterday, my barber and I were having a conversation about music. And it got me to thinking about the state that music is in right now. And more specifically, in this conversation, I'm specifically addressing gospel music, R&B music, you know, rap, hip hop culture, whatever you want to call it. And I miss it. I miss music. We were listening to some, you know, old school jams, you know, some Bill Withers, some, you know, Mays and Frankie Beverly, you know, that type of stuff that was playing in a barbershop and you know, even some old baby face, you know, came on. And I looked at the music that I grew up listening to and the music that is available to me now. And it's such a night and day difference. And I understand that trends change. You know, there's evolution in creativity where music is concerned. I get all that, you know, being a singer and a musician myself, and having attachments to the music industry. I have a lot of friends that, you know, are in the music business. You know, myself, I have released music and, you know, been a part of the community of, you know, being, you know, a creator where music is concerned. I've done consulting on, you know, albums that have been released. You know, some of my friends have put music out. I've consulted on the direction of it. And honestly, I honestly think that, I would have been a good A&R back in the day because my ear is a little bit different when it comes to, you know, hearing music sonically and kind of understand understanding what would be successful and what, you know, kind of would not. And so because I love music so much, I'm I'm disappointed in where music is now. And I'm disappointed to the degree that there are times when I take breaks from music because I'm just not interested. I mean, long breaks where it just doesn't appeal to me, especially some of the newer stuff. Now, there are a lot of artists out that do cut through the noise and they do kind of give you some semblance of hope that maybe we may see the music industry move into another direction where you know, we can kind of get away from some of the things that are popular now. And I think that a lot of what has changed is, you know, the nostalgia of music for me, you know, growing up and some of the things that the the aspects surrounding something as simple as buying music that the music industry has taken away from us and, and the joys of 
you know, buying music. And for a long time, I, I wasn't sure how to put into words how I felt about the music industry. And then one day I was on social media about a year, maybe a year and a half ago. And there's a comedian. His name is Ryan Davis. He's a funny guy. I, I enjoy a lot of his comedy. He was in an interview on The Breakfast Club and they were talking about music. I don't know. I didn't see the entire interview. Interview. I just saw this segment. So I don't know how they got on the subject, but he talked about how, you know, streaming Apple Music, Spotify, it ruined the music industry. And he's absolutely right. And what the, the point he made is when you were a kid or when you were, you know, buying records, you know, back in the day, you had to go to, you know, a Sam Goody or a Tower Records or a Blockbuster Music or, you know, all of these these um, uh, all of these different record stores that, that you could go to. There were so many. And the anticipation around releasing, you know, getting new music from an artist that you like. You know, there was hype that was surrounding it. You know, a single would drop or, you know, you would go out and buy the single. And and when I when I was in college, they used to have uh, the record companies used to have these street teams that would come on campus, you know, once or twice a week. And they would just give away free music just to get people kind of hyped up about new stuff that was getting ready to drop. So you could get a single you know, a little CD in the sleeve that that would have like some new single that's on the radio. And it would kind of get your appetite ready for whatever this new music was that was coming down the pike. And you would wait, you would find out what the release date was. You would go to the record store. You would try, you know, to be one of the first in line to get whatever artist was coming out. And, and that used to be like a, it was an event. And you looked forward to it, you know, whatever you were buying, whatever artist was out, whatever was coming out, man, it was like a a big thing. And I saw a video clip on on uh, Instagram the other day where they showed uh, there's a there's an Instagram page. It's called Urban Throwback. And they just post stuff from back in the day that, you know, if you were grew up in the 80s, 90s, you know, they they kind of remind you of how things used to be. And they showed this clip of they were outside of a record store in Times Square and they were interviewing kids that were coming out of the record store and they were asking them, what did you buy today? It was obviously a, a new music release day. And it was, a uh, you know, they were one by one. These kids were coming out. What did you buy today? Oh, I bought this album. I bought so and so. And. You know, some of them were coming out with like three and four CDs of artists, you know, music that they had bought. And that's gone. Those days are those days are gone. And I don't think that they're ever coming back. And that that kind of makes me sad because that was a fun time. Where the hype around buying music was just as important as actually buying the music and getting it enjoying it it was a part of the experience and so the point that ryan davis was making was when you spent your money on 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 music you had to sit with it you had to you know the ten dollars that you spent on it 
you had to sit with that music. The fourteen ninety nine, the twelve ninety nine, whatever you spent on an album, you had to sit with that, and you would make yourself enjoy the music or find some way to enjoy it. If if it was a good album, you know, and streaming changed that. Apple Music changed that. And I knew that that was going to happen. And I'm telling y'all, my friends will tell you, I fought Apple Music for as long as I could. I mean, I I did. And I, and I hate that I gave in, but I was late to the Apple Music train because I just was like, you know what? I know what this is going to do for the music industry. I know what this is going to do for the music consumer, the music connoisseur, the music lover. And I just didn't. I wasn't I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to, I didn't want any parts of it, but the machine was too big. You get caught up in the streaming of it and it's kind of like if you want to get the music that you want, this is where you have to go to get it. And I remember times, man, <laughs> when I would buy an album and I would first listen to that album and my first reaction would be, you know, I don't really, you know, this is not as good as I thought it was going to be. And then I would sit down and put the record down and I would come back like two or three months later. I know a lot of people have had this this happen to them, but I would put the record down or put the CD up and come back like three, maybe three months later and play it again. And it would just be like something hearing something completely new because, you know, I'm like, I didn't realize that this was so good because at the time when it first released, maybe I was in a place where, you know, I wasn't quite ready for it. Um, or maybe I had been kind of consumed with something that I was already listening to. I don't know, but that was a part of making the experience worthwhile. And music, man, now that, that I have, you know, basically because of Apple music, I have the entire music industry in my pocket that I have access to at all times. New music comes out on Fridays and I can see it on my phone. I get updates that certain artists have new music coming out. And I'm just like, now in my mind, I'm like, so what? You know, I listen to a lot of music and it's forgettable because it's always there. I didn't really invest in it. You know, I pay, you know, the family pack, uh, or whatever the family deal is for Apple Music, where, you know, myself and my family, we all get access to Apple Music for a flat rate. And I think it's like $19.99 or, you know, $14.99 a month. I'm not sure, but it just doesn't, it doesn't hit the way it used to. And I started thinking about the changes that we've gone through as a society where music is concerned and how we consume it. And now it's all about streams. And I learned a lot about, you know, the streaming side of music. When, when I had music released last year, I had to, you know, kind of do a crash course. And what does it mean to stream and go through these different distribution companies that focus solely on streaming to these platforms and, What's the difference between a streaming platform and non-interactive radio? You know, all of those things I had to learn about. And it was wild to me to see how much the music industry has changed and how we consume it and how we listen to it and how it comes to us. 
you know, there's no joy in it. You know, there's no anticipation. It's it's almost like, you know, you can't, you used to be able to, an artist would drop a single, you know, for their album that's coming out and the single would drop and it would be like, yeah, the album is coming out in two months. You know, you had to wait or, you know, or a month and a half, whatever, however long it was, you had that anticipation. Like if the single was good, it made you like, feel like I can't wait to hear this entire album. I just, I'm looking forward to it when it comes out. What's the rest of the album going to sound like? And it's just not the, it's not the same. That feeling is gone. They don't drop, you know, they drop singles, but then after the single drops, the new weeks later or a week later, you don't have to wait long. And because everything is digital, you really don't have to wait at all. Like everything is uploaded to the, to the internet uploaded to the web and it's immediately shot out to all of these music platforms like instantly. And, you know, I get it, but the convenience man of, of what you used to do when I, when you used to walk into Best Buy and you saw like, you know, Best Buy, the music section was it. It was, it was like the place where everybody would hang out. What CDs are out? You know, what are some old stuff that I can get? You could even find some CDs that were, you know, not selling as well or some old stuff that they were just trying to offload and you could just get it at a, you know, oh, man, this is seven ninety nine now. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and get this. This is one I had been thinking about getting. You know, so that a part of that whole culture, that shift really kind of disappointed me. And now to fast forward to the substance in music and the quality of music that's available to us. You know, like I said, as a musician, as a singer, it's like anybody can get a record deal, you know, just for being trendy or catchy or, you know, there's no, listen, I, I, I'll put it this way. I was listening to when, when we were in the barbershop yesterday, that song, you know, baby face, I only think of you on two occasions, that's day and night. And and I was listening to the lyrics of that song. And I said to my barber, I said, you know what? I said, if baby face, you know, artists like him, artists like uh, Brian McKnight, Boys to Men, you know, uh, these artists that had all of these love songs, you know, back in the day where they were talking about trying to, you know, get the girl and make her mine and you know, they wanted to love her and all of this stuff. These the, the biggest artists in R&B of the 90s, late 90s and early 2000s. If they walked into a record company now with the material that, that, that they have. They would be laughed at and shown the door. Because the kids that are listening to music, they don't want to hear that. They don't love is not popular. They're not talking about you know, finding a girl and loving her for, you know, I want to make you my girl. Everything is about the one night stand. It's about sex. This music now that's out. It's just, it's filthy to listen to, man. It's, it's ear pornography, literally. And I think that's the thing that I have not been able to wrap my head around the most where music is concerned. The vulgarity, not just from the men, but also from the women, you know, where there's no imagination. There's nothing 
that secret, you know, all the intentions, everything is laid out. You got music where these women are talking about, you know, sex and sex acts and things they want to do to some guy that they meeting in the club or one night stands or, you know, I just it's hard, man. It's hard for me to, to, to listen to and to hear it because one, you know, maybe because I'm not like that. That's not the frame of mind for me, uh, maybe because I'm married and I'm not on that scene or I'm not dating, or I'm not in those situations anymore. It doesn't resonate with me. But for me, it seems like the people that it does resonate with, you know, it's concerning of where our society is. The things that we look to in our creative arts to kind of mimic society or shape shape society. I'm telling you, I don't, I mean, I listen to, you know, Tank's, Last album that came out, the R&B Money album and uh, Sex, Love and Pain, you know, this this last one that came out. And I listened to the first track and Tank is one of my favorite singers, man. As a singer myself, I there are there are a lot of singers that I enjoy, but there are a few that are on my top 10 list of male vocalists and tank is on that list because he is just he's a great singer and i'm listening to the opening track and i was like wow this he's really singing man this guy's killing it right now and i ended up listening to that intro like three or four times before i moved on to the next song and i listened to it and immediately it was f-bombs and expletives and cursing and all of this nasty filthy stuff and so I skipped to the next track and the next track and the, and everything. It just like it's almost like it got worse to the point where I was like, you know what? Enough. I can't I can't listen to it anymore. This is not rhythm and blues. This is it's literally it's it's hookup culture. These are anthems for hookup culture and one night stands and, you know, short term marriages, situationships. You know, all of that stuff that is the opposite of the R&B that we grew up listening to, that we came up, the R&B that made us want to get into the music industry. You know, the artists now that we that are out that listen to the same artists that I grew up listening to that made us that made them say, I want to do that. And they're doing something completely different. And it bothers me. It bothers me to no end that, you know, we have a culture where rap music is just not even hip hop is not even what it's not even hip hop anymore. I don't even know what this new stuff is that comes out. And I think that might be why I like Coast Contra so much, because they're a throwback to, you know, the 90s stuff that I grew up listening to, you know, Tribe Called Quest, Leaders of the New School, you know, that type of. Uh, hip hop, Busta Rhymes, all of that stuff, man. It, it, I think Coast Contra embodies that, and and my my worry is that they won't be successful because they embody that, because they're not doing the trap music, because they're not doing the mumble rap and the you know you can't even understand what they're what they're doing, and all of that stuff bleeds over into every culture because it's being consumed by i i think low iq people 
You know, that's just my opinion. This lazy singing, you get these singers that when, when you hear them sing, it's like it's like the words are just falling out of their mouth. There's no diction. There's no enunciation. There's no, it's just not the same. And it bothers me a lot. It's something that I think about a lot, you know, when I can't get excited about music anymore, being a musician. So I thought that I would come in here and rant about that. It's something that, you know, it, it really it's something that's on my mind It's right in front of me. I look at music all the time and I'm like, man, I can only find solace in the stuff that I grew up listening to the older artists, you know, the older records, these, you know, throwback albums that they're the only things that seem to get the job done these days. And so, you know, I hope that we can change and make some type of pivot and move to another, you know, trend in music where we can kind of make some sense of what we're doing as artists in the music community, the music that's being made, you know, uh, it's just not the same. And gospel music is no different. Gospel music should be different. And it's not. I lumped them in with the same, you know, all the gospel music sounds the same. It's mimicking what's happening in the R&B world. You know, even the worship popular stuff that, you know, in, in the black community that Israel and Fred and, you know, all of these, uh, artists back in the, you know, late, uh, early two thousands, that started making, you know, praise and worship, like worship experiences. They started making that stuff popular and it's a trend now. Even that stuff sounds the same. It all sounds the same. It's no, it's like nothing cuts through. And I hope we can get back to a place where that happens. And so I'll wrap it up and leave it there. Um, what are your thoughts about music? How do you feel? What artists are you listening to? If there's an artist that you think I might like, Send me a suggestion for it. The email address is uncommon sense with KT at gmail.com. I would love to hear it and check it out and give some feedback here on the podcast. Do you miss music? How do you feel about it? I know I do. So until next time, listen, no matter where you go, no matter what you do, remember, common sense is uncommon. Peace. Peace.